place with no frustration. Back it up before I lose my patience. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ICI Pro Podcast. My name is Joey Stabile, and I am the host of this exciting show. Are you looking for indoor cycling inspiration and ideas, new classes and playlists, technical expertise? Please find this and a lot more at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Once again, IndoorCycleInstructor.com. And... Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I have an amazing treat today in that I am here with Barbara Chansey and John Bogosian. Barbara is of the Indoor Cycle Design Group, and uh, she can expound on that in just a few seconds. John Bogosian, of course, is the founder and CEO of ZingFit. We brought together these two industry experts today to talk not just about a studio, but how to keep your studio successful and six of the primary things that we experience as studio owners um, that help us to get in the way of ourselves. I hope that you enjoy today's conversation. Uh, John and Barbara obviously have a wealth of information behind them. And as for what you may be experiencing with your studio, I'm going to try to step out of the way here and let the experts talk. Um, that should be number seven on my list of things that get in my way, and that would be the um, incessant need to talk. <laughs> okay, so with that, people, I'm going to try to uh, keep my interjections to a minimum, and we're going to start here with John Bogosian, found CEO ZingFit. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about the path that you've traveled, how you got here, and um, some of the joy that you see in ZingFit. Great. Hey, Joey. Yeah, so we started, really the company started out in the Hamptons where a lot of, you know, boutique studios started out there. And, um, you know, we've built a solution really around high-touch boutique fitness studios, everything from scheduling the part everyone notices to other platform services on the back end, like boring things like inventory management and, uh, you know, handling handling market uh, marketing programs for, for, for studios. And it's really fun that Barbara's here today because Barbara is the queen of high touch. We love working with her. And so together, I think we've made some really great solutions together over the years. How many years now, Barbara? Six um, years, I think we've been doing this. At least, at yeah. least. And John, I remember meeting you <laughs> in, in the Hamptons. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget it. When we first crawled past, he said, there's something new coming. There's going to be a smartphone, and you're going to be able to book your classes online. <laughs> Imagine that. Yes, and I was mesmerized. I said, really? He said, yes, it's coming. Just wait. Yeah. And, uh, that's a great story. Yeah, and Barbara taught me how to um, how to sweat and how to stand up on a, on a, on a bike that day. <laughs> wow, very nice. Very it was a nice. tough workout, yeah. <laughs> and so, Barbara, um, switching over to you here, uh, it seems like you've done a fair bit of work and sweating in your business um, over the past years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Indoor cycle design started actually uh, a dare by a friend who said, you should you should start a website. You're really good at this. You've been designing these studios, not charging anyone for 10 years. So I took the dare. And now we are a specialty design firm offering turnkey services for not only indoor cycling, but all uh, fitness modalities, everything from HIT, yoga, TRX, Legree, you name it, we have expanded. And we have opened up over 260 studios worldwide nice. on six continents. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, so with that, um, we're here together 
to talk about the studio experience, not really from day one, but let's say a year, a year and a half into the business life cycle of the studio. And as a studio owner, I look up and I'm starting to find that some of my classes aren't as full as they used to be. And, you know, my studio isn't as well traveled and hopefully not, but perhaps I could even be seeing a decline in revenue. Now, Barbara, I know that you've put together a um, wonderful uh, piece for us here that I'm sure is available out on the ZingFit site as well. But um, the six signs of uh, studio fitness sabotage, and really these are things that we do to ourselves. So my thought in kind of guiding this conversation, if you will, so let's start from the customer perspective as we're sitting in the coffee shop, maybe a few doors down, and waiting to get our coffee before we go to class today. Um, that brings us to one of your sabotage um, items, which is words matter. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. So it's interesting that a lot of times my my team, we will go undercover before we are opening a studio to kind of get a feel and vibe of the neighborhood of this location. And often we'll pop in a coffee shop or a bar and, and everything in the article is from firsthand experience. And bartenders have said, hey, I got to tell you, we know more about your business than your studio manager does because sometimes the instructors, the management, they'll come in and they'll start complaining. They'll have a few cocktails. And, and before long, um, they're bashing the business where they work. And so you have to understand that, that words really, really matter. And if you do not enjoy where you're working, so whether it's in your personal life or your business life, there are three choices that you have. Number one, you can stay, complain, and drive everyone crazy. We know you don't like it, but you keep complaining. Number two, stay, accept the situation, and stop talking about it. And number three, quit. And we find that many times the negativity is because the studio owner has not made a very clear open-door policy. If you're unhappy let me know. So if there's fear and the employees do not feel comfortable complaining to the manager, that is the number one problem. And remember also that complaints are questions and they simply communicate what a person truly values. And uh, John, what do you think? Have you found yourself in that position where you've been, I mean, I know you travel to a lot of studios throughout the course of your uh, business cycle. And, um, you know, do you find yourself running into that as well? Well, I haven't really gone undercover. <laughs> gotcha. So they, think, they know uh, exactly who you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, I think the, um, you know, the, the experience has, has been superior in, in, in the studios that I've gone to. I mean, everything, you know, these studios survive not because they do one thing better, because they do everything better. You know, the way the front door looks, the way you're greeted, you know, as as you come in, the way the towels smell, you know, just just, just everything. I, I think um, people have really done it right in, in my experience. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Um, I have to start hanging around the coffee shops more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next step kind of in our customer experience, if you will, um, I'm going to work into the very last item that you have on your uh, article, which says forgetting who the boss is. And I want to kind of put that in perspective in that um, we should all try to remember that the customer is by and large the boss um, in any real business transaction. I know I get that a lot from myself, especially from my 17-year-old when she'll look at me and say, well, you know, 
I don't understand. You're the boss. You can do whatever you want. And the truth is, when you're the boss, I think you end up being the biggest servant in the um, in the organization. And Simon Sinek has a great TED Talk on leaders eat last. And I think sometimes <laughs> the studio owners, um, maybe they're new to business and they don't understand delegation, but I can tell you one thing, it's better to be kind than to be right. So winning the argument, yeah, maybe you're right, but you've lost the relationship. And it is critical to always say yes rather than no. The customer comes first. And we see this so many times, uh, not only in cycling, but but even some of the Legree studios that require sticky socks and maybe someone didn't bring them that day. You know, are you going to charge them again? Just crazy little tiny things. For example, shoes, you know, in the cycling world. You know, maybe um, a typical situation is maybe the cleat doesn't work and so they weren't able to enjoy the ride. Are you going to refund it and say, well, sorry, that's our policy? Or do you keep the relationship and offer them a free class and take the apology? So those are just little examples of enforcing the rules. And the customer always comes first. But it's just amazing how little customer service some of the owners have. We require all of our clients to read the Nordstrom Way, the inside story of customer service. Okay, so before you consider finding a location, I suggest uh, to all my clients that they write their customer service procedures first. First and foremost, what do you believe? And then hire people that believe your same customer service approach. You know, it's funny because it's that same kind of attitude, I think, that really extends forward into all of our businesses. Um, You know, myself as a um, podcast producer and as well as um, we do indoor cycling training with uh, my other company, Cycling Fusion. And um, I'm sorry, John, you find that same thing with yours. I know you at Zingfit do a ton to bend over backwards for your customers. Yeah, and I think, um, to be really frank, I, I, I think we weren't doing enough. And I think Barbara's done us and our customers a big service in um, introducing us to this Nordstrom book that I found through her through her blog, and I've read it uh, one and a half times now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, it's it, it's an amazing book, and it's it's great in its simplicity that 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 there's that there's one rule to customer service at um, at, at Nordstrom, and it's basically like use your good judgment, you know, to solve the goal of of, uh, you know, excellent customer service and they empower the people to do things like that. And they say, you know what, we'll live with the bad decisions and we'll be happy and we'll applaud you that, that you went out on a limb to do that. And, um, frankly, I think we were saying, we were just saying no way too often and saying to customers, you know, this is our process, trust us, you know, this is how it works. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to come through our process. And, um, you know, just last week, you know, Nick uh, and our staff just um, he was having a hard time hooking up with the customer to do the review on the on the styling. You know, we kind of fanatically style every single site that that goes up Um, and we're having a hard time getting together with back and forth. And we'd make some changes. They'd be a review. And Nick said, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take an hour on my schedule. We're going to get together. And we're going to do the reviews in real time, right? So you tell me what you want. I'll change it. You, you do the review. And we've never done that before. And it's really kind of against our process. But it was extremely successful. And, uh, you know, we really applauded Nick for taking that initiative with that customer to do what needed to be done to do the outstanding thing. 
And um, it's, uh, it's changed a lot, I think, here. And we talk a lot more about delighting, you know, delighting customers, you know, much more than we used to. So, yeah. And, and, and I look to our studios now and I, and I learn every time I go into a studio about what we need to be doing more here. John, if you don't mind, I'm going to borrow that down the road. Delighting uh-huh. customers. Yeah. I, I've not heard that before, but I think that that is a, a fabulous buzzword there. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I'm going good. to steal it too, John. Do you care? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see that in some web copy coming up. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay, and so interesting. So this whole concept of the customer comes first and you know, delighting our customers um, starts at the front door. And I know, John, in the past we've talked about that, how you know you want the uh, corporate image and the studio image and everything to match from the booking experience all the way through to you know the towels and that kind of stuff. So that's going to bring our customer right up to probably the most important area in the studio, and that's the front desk. You know, when I first started in the fitness industry, after I got out of business, I worked at the um, downtown Pittsburgh YMCA. I was a healthy living director there. But I always used to laugh because our front desk people and our lifeguards were the lowest pay grades on the scale, and that never made any sense to me. You know, if the lifeguard didn't do their job, things could go very bad very quickly. And the front desk people were the only people that talked to every single member that came in that day. And they should be the highest paid, actually, because without the front desk, the instructors don't have a class to teach to. Amen. Am I allowed to say that? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And that's where most of the problems, uh, occasionally I'll get calls from from studios, who have some empty seats. And by the way, if you do have empty seats, please don't blame it on the weather. It is not June, July, or January. It is the value is not worth what you're charging. I tell clients, if you're charging $20 for a class, it should be valued at 40 and it's a deal for 20. And so if it's not worth 20, um, you'll have empty seats. But nonetheless, the front desk is where most of the friction happens, and that's where the complaints come. Sometimes studios will call and say, again, we have empty numbers. What can we do? Can we remodel? Can we get new bikes? Can None of that is going to create momentum. And Once you start losing momentum, that's when things fall apart, and it starts at the front desk. Uh, we've had arguments. For example, I'm just going to give you a couple of, of real-world situations I've seen over the last couple of years. A credit card is declined. This happened to me recently, okay? My Amex was declined, and so the girl at the front desk, um, I'm so sorry, your card's declined. And, of course, I looked at her (laughs) with fire in my eyes like, no, (laughs) my card is not declined. Uh, It was compromised, and maybe there's a different number. Uh, So, But the point was she said it loudly, and we prefer never to use uh, negative words. So it's much better to have a policy of, oh, our system is down. Um, it's Maybe it's seeing fit. And uh, the, it's just not working. Do you have enough card? And by the way, I'm going to deposit a free class into your account for the trouble you experienced today. That's much better than assuming the worst. All right. We, I've also heard of one situation where uh, a woman was out six, six weeks, I think. She had ankle surgery and asked that her membership be put on, on hold. And the front desk asked for a doctor's note. Right. Hmm. Um, so when you have really, really young girls or guys at the front desk, which obviously we need eye candy, you know, we really, really recommend that there is some depth 
uh, wide diversity of age and background, somebody needs to handle the front desk policy. So again, this is something that studio owners need to be writing before they ever, ever find a location. What are the 14 words that your brand represents? How will you handle? And we do a lot of role play. What happens if a credit card's declined? What happens if, for example, shoes sometimes uh, studios will rent them for $2. What happens if the studio manager tells a friend that, oh, hey, come in, shoes are complimentary, and then the front desk charges her to see where this is going, or sticky socks are $20. Um, you either have to cancel your class or buy the sock. And these are things that the front desk really, really can turn off clients, and they never show up, they never come back, and the manager wonders why. So those are a couple of real-world examples that we've experienced. Uh, and again, your policies need to be written in ink, and everybody practice them, agree to them before you ever open the doors. There's no, uh, everything should be crystal clear. There's no guesswork when it comes to customer service. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think that the, um, you know, it's that very first impression. Let's say that the customer did book online before they even got to the front desk. And so, you know, they've started on this wonderful experience and this full integration. They got to pick their bike and now they show up at the studio and there's an issue. Um, and, you know, I think that the instructors in the studios that I have seen um, sometimes fail to realize that we're all part of the customer service team, not just the front desk people. Uh, very good. There's another book out that's, that your listeners should um, purchase. It's a very simple read by Tony Hartle, and he founded Planet Tan, but it's called Selling Sunshine. And these are five simple tips to make everyone from the maintenance to the owner successful. And they have little goals. If we reach 90% occupancy with our classes this week, everyone gets a $100 bill from the maintenance guy to the front desk. You reward everyone. It's a team effort. And you hit on something, Joey, that's uh, that's rarely seen in the boutique fitness world. Yeah, I mean, we talk about all this in terms of, you know, when we're helping studios and in terms of the brand. And, you know, it's funny, we've been using it for so long, I'm not sure anyone I think most people, when, when you talk about brand, they're thinking about their logo or they're thinking about maybe some, some design of the website. But, you know, brand really is every single touch point. Like I said, it's down to the smell of the towel. It's down to whoever laundered those things and, you know, folded them nicely and stacked them so that someone just grabbed them and didn't even think about them, but just said, hey, this is, uh, this is nice, this works requires some fanaticism really to really to make all that work yeah. and uh, it really starts i think what barbara's saying is it really starts from the culture you know creating a culture of that and then you can start in writing some policies uh some policies beyond that exactly there's a quote that i like to share it says your smile is your logo your personality is your business card but the way people feel when they leave your presence is your brand and that applies to a studio as well when you leave how do you feel do you feel um, like the oldest person in the studio do you feel uh, inferior do you feel as I did the day that <laughs> my credit card was declined do I feel not worthy <laughs> how do you feel when you leave a studio that's your brand right right yeah for sure a well-known marketing consultant once said a brand is a group of people who make decisions every single day. 
And I think that that's a neat way to kind of put it together. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I have to admit that, you know, what John said is very true. A lot of times we think of our brand as our logo or the paint on the walls or whatever. But really and truthfully, the brand that gets conveyed is the attitude that walks out that door. Yeah, that's that's interesting and uh, certainly some good food for thought here, which, you know, I think carries us right into the next area, and that's of, of assumptions. You know, as I was reading, this is something that honestly I never think about, you know, and the one that really got me as I get older and have trouble seeing the numbers on the locker now on my lock... <laughs> You know, is that it's all those little things that are saying that this is really a young person's place. Yeah. I mean, without my glasses on. You know. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's where I jumped in that this is becoming a multi-generational industry. And so the complaints that we have sometimes are that, oh, I didn't bring my glasses. So what, I'm required to bring reading glasses to find my locker or I'm required to bring glasses to see my number on the little tiny monitor on the screen to keep up. I can't even see it. And so... I'm very, very uh, cautious of making everybody feel young, beautiful, healthy, fit, no matter how old you are. And so locker numbers that are teeny, teeny, tiny, sign-in sheets or iPads that we can't see, I believe when you walk in the door, everyone should feel timeless. And there are some things that instructors do that promote feeling the opposite, such as the piece that I wrote. And this, this may be typical for the South, where... Miss, sir, doctor, when labels are put on clients based on assumptions. And uh, once I had a client, this is a fascinating story. I had a group, they were probably in their late 20s, close to grand opening. And they called and said, hey, we're trying to, to order clothing. And can you just tell us, you know, what does a typical 50-year-old wear? And uh, <laughs> I got fairly quiet. <laughs> and I said, uh, why don't you call Madonna, see what she's wearing to class? All right. So the point is, you dress the body style. You don't dress the age. And uh, I told her there are a lot of 50-year-olds that are having much more fun than you are. So <laughs> let's rethink that question. But I do hear it from a lot of people. You know, we're acutely aware that maybe we're the older ones in the class. We don't need someone calling us the title. Now, I've asked a couple of instructors, like, why do you do this? And they said, well, it was it's a sign of respect. And I said, well, if that's the case, you're the teacher, so shouldn't I be calling you Miss Megan? And then, of course, they get very quiet. But I think when you walk in the door, I was teaching a class one day, and this guy came up afterwards. He said, uh, like, how old are you? <laughs> and I kind of laughed, and I said, uh, how old do you want me to be? <laughs> I said, when the lights go down, I am 60, I am 60. you tell me, I am your girl, you tell me. Yeah, and course, what age gets me the free lunch? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and so when we design studios, we're super sensitive to that. And we love using mirrors with a backlighting to just wash away all the flaws, all the wrinkles, everything that you don't want to be. Reality sucks. And so we avoid all of that with just beautiful lighting. So again, it's a happy place and it's subliminal. You don't really know why you like coming back, but I can see my locker. I, could, I don't have to bring my glasses. I look good after the class, even at 6 a.m. Those are the quiet reasons I can hear. There's great acoustics. Those are the quiet reasons people come back, and they may not be aware of that. Hmm. And, John, I think from the ZingFit standpoint, you know, even look at the iPad, look at the iPhone. You know, remember the very first one when we met in Long Island? It was tiny. <laughs> and now 
<laughs> those same guys grew up and they need glasses too. And they're like, how does anyone see this? <laughs> and so you'll notice then the evolution has gotten larger to make it easier. And when it's easier, it's faster because we don't have to look and hunt. Yeah, and you don't think seconds. about it, right? Absolutely. And seconds turn into minutes, which turn into the next class better start on time. And so those, all of those little tiny meticulous details uh, go into it. Just going back to Zingfit again, you know, it's nice that um, the fonts are larger. And so I always tell clients, bump it up to a 14 point, 18 point, instead of this little tiny, difficult to read on, on the site. Um, yeah. Hey, Barbara, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm going to ask you this because, and I can ask you this because there's a lot of love between us, right? So <laughs> Absolutely. You must drive people crazy. Right. With, with, with the details, because they're all important. Right. So and, and, and studio owners must drive everyone crazy, too. So what kind of, you know, what kind of advice do you have for studio owners who are trying to create this you know, fanatical experience and then they're called crazy by their by their staff? <laughs> well, it's attention to detail and that's a gift and it's also a curse. And yeah. so, you know, what I realize is that the people who are phenomenal at teaching and they're, and they're great instructors, they maybe miss the details, the detail people. So it's putting it all together. And um, again, I'm not here to promote my business, obviously, but when we start with a new client, there are about 300 little checklists, checked items that have to be thought about before we ever consider a design. And it goes wow. to, again, wow. the, the little tiny details. Um, and it just makes the experience joyful, like a restaurant. Right? So my architect, he's from the restaurant industry, and there are a lot of similarities, whether it's the menu, and that would be like Zing Fit. Can we read the menu? Uh, the acoustics in the restaurant, can I, you know, you want that dark corner booth where you can order an extra glass of wine and enjoy yourself and feel young and beautiful? Or is it a bright McDonald's, you know, where I can't see the menu? And so there are a lot of similarities, and we jump into other industries for innovation we try to stay far away from fitness and we look to fashion to restaurants to music and those are details yeah i think the the tying factors really is it starts at that signing up for the class experience which you know i think zingfit has one of the best interfaces out there it's not having to go to a different site and now i've got a different company name at the top of my sign-in sheet and you know things just aren't going smoothly for me. and i think that that all builds into you know the brand and the front desk you know and keeping it all together in one tight package And even the emails, you know, once you sign up for a class, and I know the client probably writes most of that copy, but this uh, rambling, it goes on and on and on. Keep it short, keep it punchy. (laughs) Thanks for signing up. Can't wait to see your beautiful face on Bike 17. I mean, that's it. So I think a lot of people are, they just need to cut the content. They've already got the money. I'm showing up. That's enough. And uh, that would be a point or two whether it's the weekly email that goes out, sign up, people are busy. For sure. Okay, so that brings us to our second to last item here. Entitled in the article, Leading from Behind. When I'm out teaching a new group of cycling instructors, as I was this past weekend, it's one of the things I push to them, is when you're at a particularly hard section, you can cue for riders to work at their own level and you can cue for riders to come back into the saddle 
all that you want is there is a large group of them that will not do so until you as the instructor come back into the saddle yourself. And I think that that's, it's one of our key tenets in riding is that to remember, this is not your ride. This is the the um, participant's ride. And so you really need to be aware of who's in the room and the fact that you need to do as you would have them do in order for them to fall. And so I, I think that, um, you know, looking at that, we really have to look at our leadership and how, as a studio owner, we lead from behind. Yes, Joe, you're right. When it comes to a studio owner, you roll up your sleeves and clean the equipment. Show your staff that there's nothing that you will not do with them. All right, number two, I really, really encourage owners to put in their budget to hire a leadership coach. Just because you're the world's greatest instructor and just because you have the most beautiful studio does not qualify you to be a leader. And um, you have to realize that everyone wants to be part of your team in the beginning. In the very beginning is when, yes, all for one, one for all, we're great. And then slowly things fizzle. And that is the responsibility of the leader who is micromanaging everything. And you need to, again, going back to that little book, Selling Sunshine, that I mentioned earlier, how do you reward the A instructors? How do you bring the C instructors up to that level of the A's? What do you do with the B instructors? And so a good leader understands the the strengths and weaknesses of their entire team and works together so that everyone shares the spotlight, including the clients. And that is not always uh, second nature. So I'm not opposed to bringing in a leadership coach and having lots. So one thing studio owners can can offer to solve some problems positively is to create this mystery review. And this is something that you can do once a month. It's really fun. Get some beer and pizza, bring it in for team building and say, hey, guys, these are the five reviews we had on Yelp today. Now, of course, they're not actual reviews. Number one, uh, we found. Now, forgive, this is a little crass, okay, but this is true. We found dog poop in the dressing room, all right? That's because the owner brings their dog in all the time. Now, is that true or false? And they have to play a game. True or false? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. So you come up with four situations, and the fifth one is, so-and-so, Mary Lou, keeps dropping the F-bomb during class, and we've had some complaints. True or false? You see where I'm going. So when you put the truth in with four that are fictitious and make it fun, we can approach the problem without really, really being offensive. All right. So those are just games that you can play. And and here's some other things that we find with leadership. When you have complaints, maybe one complaint is it's like going to a sorority. All right. Well, what that really means is you need a 45 year old on board. There's a lot of young people here. It would be great to have someone older. Or if you're hearing complaints like uh, it, it might lean racial, all right? So let's mix it up and add some diversity. So those are things you can do with these great mystery meetings. Anyway, they're fun. They're just a, a novel way to solve a problem without leaders who don't understand this. They go directly to the employee. They bark out orders. They, they just sometimes need to soften and solve the problem creatively. Interesting. I like it. Let's see. So that's going to bring us 
to one of the biggest things that I see happening once a studio has been around for a while. And not just cycling studios, you know, in general, boutique studios. The the concept of inconsistency. You know, I think this is one of the places where if the studio currently isn't using some type of booking management system, they should, and this is one of the reasons why, because it keeps consistency in the system. But even from the experience... You know, from towels to shoes to classes, class times, and um, the performance that the actual instructors give. Inconsistency seems to be, at least in my mind, one of the uh, biggest reasons. Once you've gotten past all of the customer service stuff, they're in class, they feel like they should know what to expect. And yet what is delivered is not what was expected. I can just jump in here and John, feel free to, to add your two cents from a corporate standpoint, but... A lot of the problems that we see is in the beginning, grand open, the first three, six months, everybody's following, everybody's on target, and then suddenly things begin to slip. One day, you don't get a chill towel. One day, you don't get the thank you note that you did in the beginning, and very gradually, um, you you loosen your standards. Uh, from an instructor standpoint, right, and you'll appreciate this, Joe, my clients, we like to have a, a method for the class. For example, after the third song, uh, you simply touch a button and the overhead ceiling fans come on automatically after the third song. Three songs before the class ends, the fans automatically go off. All right, that is part of the structure. And sometimes then when people forget to do that, it's inconsistent. So you like to book a bike. And, John, if I believe, don't you have the fans or, or air vents wherever in your bike map? people can see but we have the capability a lot of studios ask us to do that you know speakers you know with Mm -hmm. peloton they have the you know cameras in the rooms if you want to be on the camera so um yes we have all those elements in the room clean so some people when it goes to fans some people do not want to be near a fan so we create this little hot spot if you will other people require it but the point is the consistency of the class lights go down you know step one step two step three should always be the same all right consistency the creativity comes, obviously, with the music and the teaching, et cetera. But when it comes to little things, again, like customer service and inconsistency, maybe you go tell your friends, oh, this is the greatest studio ever. Um, they blah, 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 and finish class with a chilled towel. It's great. And then maybe that day the instructor forgot, right? So what happens is, and then it's embarrassing for the client who brought their friend because it didn't, it didn't sound like the way they described it the day before. Yeah, I think part of the challenge is with anything, you can try to do too much, right? When you're adding on some attribute, it's like, can I do this? Can I repeat this? Can I repeat it consistently? And maybe, you know, with chill towels, it's a really great thing to do, but you can't really service it in your, you know, tiny little 800 square foot space and you're because you only have room for tiny little fridges, and maybe say, you know, this isn't something we can do consistently. And so we're not even we're not even going to try it. And, that's, and, and it's better not to do it than to do it inconsistently, right? Yes, and that's brilliant. And that is the whole process of what do you believe. If you believe that everyone needs a towel, then we'll put in a two-way refrigerator so the yep. janitor can stock it from and, the backside. And, and take and out the smoothie bar. Because Absolutely. <laughs> that's what I believe. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you believe that, for example, after the ride's over, jump off the instructor platform stage, whatever you want to call it, stand by the door. I see you tomorrow. Great job. Like a receiving line in your home. Think about this. When you have guests over at a party, they don't leave through the back door, through the garage. 
you stand at the front door. So why would they ever leave out the back? I never understood right. that. So anyway, that and, might and, be a and, different yeah. policy that you stand by the door and greet them by name or an assistant instructor. But someone said goodbye to them and actually knew their name that day. So those are the things that what you believe and right. whatever it is, every single day is grand opening. Yeah, Barbara, I think that's a nice circle back to this idea of leading from behind, too, and saying that, you know, not only these are our policies, but these are our firm beliefs, you know, yes. and there's probably not more than three of them, right? If, if you're going to if you're going to really create a brand, there might just be one of them. And, and, and that's the first you know, thing you is can articulate why them you, from there. Yeah. yeah. And your brand is why people are creating the culture, because there's something called Me Too marketing. Everyone can buy bikes. Everyone can get a sound system. Everyone is a great instructor. Why are you different? And these tiny little subtle differences create your brand. And so that's why they come. You know, that's why they come. Uh, one other thing, John, you, you pointed out earlier, I was going to jump back to on the front desk staff, um, and we can go into it a little deeper rules and policies if there's just three then manage three and if you can't if you can't control it it's not a rule right so i always right. laugh sometimes when i see these policies of five minutes we close the doors five minutes before the class starts and that front desk girl won't let you in well what happened if the instructor started at 904 instead of nine o'clock does that mean it's now 909 before you let us in or you see where this is going yeah if you can't enforce it then it's not a rule and so let's find three things that we believe in positively rather than three things negatively. So maybe we focus on the three things we always do. Greet you by name. Here's a towel. You're awesome. See you And that's kind of the Chick-fil-A model. <laughs> you know, I'm in Atlanta, right? Nice. So I tell you, this is the truth. I used to go to Chick-fil-A for everyone. But I was so, it, I fell for it. I promise you, I fell for it. Because I would zip through this line and go through the drive through and they would say, see you tomorrow. And I was like, oh, wow, she recognizes me. <laughs> and then I realized that is part of their marketing. Hmm. Okay, but that's the whole point is if find three positive things you believe in rather than enforcing three rules. Because we don't have to show up. You're not the mother. You're not our boss. Wow. Well, thank you so much, uh, Barbara and John, for your time today. That is some interesting insight into how we can keep our studios firing on all pistons, if you will. And, you know, I think that in any business, there's a cycle that happens, right? And, um, you know, hopefully we don't see a big part of the downturn, but it can happen. And I think that by reviewing information such as this, and perhaps maybe even contacting you guys for some further help and clarification, we can prevent studios from ending up in disaster or closing. So with that, I'm going to give you each a little section here to kind of wrap up your thoughts. And please don't forget to tell the people how to get in touch with you. John, why don't we start with you? Sure. I mean, you can um, find us at zincfit.com. Uh, the article that we were discussing um, that Barbara wrote uh, for our blog can be found at zincfit.com uh, forward slash blog. And there's some other interesting pieces in there about best practices. And um, you can always reach us at sales at uh, zincfit.com. We'd be happy to talk with you about, uh, about your needs. Okay, thank you, John. And Barbara? We offer a wide range of consulting and design services, everything from remodels to startups. And you can certainly send your questions to barbara at indoorcycledesign.com or visit the website, indoorcycledesign.com. 
Very good. Barbara and John, again, I thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to having uh, both of you, perhaps together and certainly individually, back on the podcast as things come. Barbara, I believe that there's some new um, new items coming out in uh, your world that hopefully we'll get a chance to hear about. And John, one of the things that we've talked about in the past that I would like to do is be sure that we have at least maybe a biennial update with ZingFit just to keep the instructors abreast of what's new in development and uh, what you know, kind of new bells and whistles they can look forward to at their studios. Because as we've talked about today, the booking process and the studio management process is not just really on the one person at the front desk, right? It affects all of us, as Barbara said, from the maintenance person all the way up through the owner. And so I think we should all stay abreast of what's happening and how our students are experiencing it. Uh, We'd love to. It's always fun, Joey. And, And thank you, Barbara, for doing this. Uh, Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. And with that, people, uh, we're going to sign off here. Everybody, have a fabulous day. Hey, you too. Cheers. up another episode of the ICI Pro Podcast. Please check out our website at indoorcycleinstructor.com.